Robin found a man online who really excited her. A former pro baseball player, now helps run a sports agency, the pair decided to start investing in their future by buying property. There is no house. He didn't buy a house with that money. (laughs) So, you know, that was just money he conned out of me and there's nothing to show for it. Robin works in the medical field and never really worried about having a lot of money. Everything I've been working hard for my whole life is gone. Robin will recover financially. She'll just have to work a little harder. It's the other side of being a scam victim that worries her. You deal with the kind of the psychological trauma from realizing you were falling for a guy that was never even real. Once Robin figured out she was scammed out of tens of thousands of dollars, she realized she isn't the only one. He's only getting better at his scams, you know, but of course nobody does anything. Robin met her former boyfriend, Chris Lloyd, online in California. I tried to reach out to Chris to get his side of the story, but he's kind of off the radar now. My name is April. A scammer took $200,000 from my sick mother. Now, on this episode of Scammer Stories is Robin's story. What he does is he tries to pay the people he owes something back. He paid me 1400 back a little bit ago, and that was the last I ever heard from him. And he's blocked me on everything possible, you know, but that's his way of making it look like he has intentions of repayment. Back up to when this all started, how did you meet? Okay, so I met Chris Lloyd online in January. And, you know, we were just like communicating back and forth on that for a couple of weeks. And then uh, we decided to meet in person for coffee. He was 33 and 41. But he seemed very mature for his age. Was actually like professional seeming growing up, you know, said he had just moved back from San Diego up to Long Beach because he took a new position with the company he has worked for for the last four years, which was a sports agency. And he was filling in um, a vice president role because one of the vice presidents of the company was on like personal leave for about a year because of, you know, an illness in the family or something. So (laughs) that's how we met. And we started talking and, you know, I was like, I'm not really into long distance this or that because not that it's long distance, but, you know, an hour and a half drive. I'm like, I work full time. You know, I work in a hospital. He has a real career, you know, and I was like, we're not going to be able to see each other that much. He was like, "I'll, I'll drive. It's not a problem. So, yeah, we just met for coffee and we ended up sitting there talking for about three hours that day. We just, you know, completely clicked. And I heard from him every day, multiple times a day in the meantime. And the next time he came down, we went out, went and played at Dave and Buster's and, you know, like just went out for the day, went shopping, um, went and ate. And he always had a lot of a lot of money on him, you know, like 10,000 plus. Do you solve that much cash? Oh, yeah. 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 He always had 10 to 20,000 in cash and acted like it was nothing. And one time I was like, can I take a picture of that in my hand? Because I've never held that much cash, you know? <laughs> so I have pictures of me like holding 10,000 stack in my hand, you know, and he told me what he used to play pro baseball. I asked for who and he said the Dodgers, you know, the LA Dodgers and the Cincinnati Reds. He drove a Lexus SUV. So, you know, he seemed to have a good amount of money. He's worked for a sports agency for the last four years. So he has a stable career. He has his master's in business, you know, a good guy to date. He kept saying, so glad I finally met my equal. You know, it's so hard to date in this day and age, you know, especially women in California. They're so materialistic, but none of them have anything going for them, it seems like, that he would meet. I was like, well, I got my career and, you know, like, I'm very independent, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it was kind of, it felt like it was a fairly healthy relationship because, you know, he wasn't clingy. He communicated with me daily or multiple times daily. 
he would text me every day. Which so, is rare in the online dating world. People exactly. kind of come and go and ghost you. Exactly. So it was like very clear, seemed very clear to me when he said, you know, he wants kids in the future. And I'm like, well, that's probably, I'm kind of past that point. So we'll have to figure something out about that in the future. But I was like, you'll get over it as you get a little older. You'll be over it. Not really interested at this point in my life. So yeah, basically he was living with his uncle for the year he was going to be in Long Beach because he was planning on moving back to San Diego after that year was up anyway. So, you know, it made more sense for him to come down to me in time, not right away, but in time, let me know he had a few investment properties because he said like he was really responsible with his money. You know, he had told me he signed for $1.3 million um, with baseball and he invested it all. You know, his financial advisor limited him to 50000 a year and he was fine with that and he lived fine with that. You know, and he wasn't really into the partying scene or anything like that. And he was an athlete, so didn't do drugs, anything like that that you would have to worry about. Right. He did let me know he had a condo in Scottsdale why in Scottsdale and he said because spring training is out there you know baseball all that kind of stuff besides that I said what other properties do you have and he said he had two in his hometown of Morton Mississippi so he was you know financially stable which is nice because it really you know when you're a professional (laughs) it seems like you meet a lot of people who they want to kind of live off you or you have a good career so a lot of times it seems like I don't know. It's it's really hard to find somebody who's financially responsible in this day and age, it seems like, especially, you know, in California, where people are so materialistic and where the cost of living is so high. He's never even had a credit card because he's always just been able to use cash or his debit card. Um, and then uh, about a month and a half or so went by of us dating. And he would make it a point to come down on my days off because I work every other weekend at my job because I work in a hospital. So, you know, it was, it was cool because it seemed like a mature relationship of two independent professionals. And, you know, he talked about how, you know, most of the men in his family were businessmen and very smart, knows a ton about banking. He's very intelligent, but so are all con artists. That's how they get away with it. So he was going out of Scottsdale for the weekend or something for work. And I got a text from him or I spoke to him. He said, hey, you know, one of the guys that I know from baseball is being released and he's behind on his house payments and bank's going to take over. So I want to buy it out. He's like, do you have like 50,000 I can borrow? I was like, hell no, no, this is way too early in relationship. I'm not going to loan you money. You know, like, you know, and it was like, babe, you've seen me with plenty of money. You know, I have the money. I can pay you right back. And I was like, well, why can't you get money? He says, I have 80,000 because that's what I have in my checking or savings account, whatever it is. I have 80,000. The rest of it is in an investment portfolio. So I would have to sell some stocks or whatever, and it'll take probably a week to turn to liquid. So, you know, me not ever having to cash out any investment (laughs) sounded like it made sense, right? And he let it go, you know, and I said, why don't you ask your mom for money? You know, you told me you paid her house off. And so a little later in the night, I got messages between him and his mother. Like, it was like, mom, I really know she's the one, but I just wish she would take this leap of faith with me. His mother back to him was like, son give her an out or so he let it go and the next morning I get a message and it was between he and a supposed friend named Lauren that lives out in Phoenix you know same thing screenshots back and forth and he was like hey can I ask you a favor he, uh, you know asked whoever this was his other phone probably and you know he said do you have any liquid I can borrow blah 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 she said well you know I just bought that new car she's like but you must have found a property and he was like yeah and the bank's gonna take over unless I can pay it out right away basically right and so she was like I'm in the same situation I can't do it I'm sorry blah 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 and then a little bit later she said hey I moved some stuff around and I have 15,000 I can loan you she's like I know you're good for it with your money making ass it said something like that on the message you know of course I'm like who is this chick you know (laughs) who is this girl 
girl that's just going to loan you 15,000, you know, that, you know, what's going on with you and her, you know, that's what's kind of going on in my head. And he's like, oh, stop. She's uh, an old friend from years ago, you know? So now he was only asking for 35,000. So he came back, you know, I told him, no, I'm not comfortable, you know, blah, blah, blah. He came back in town, came over here and we were just talking, you know, he was being sweet and all that, you know, like he always was, you know, he's like, you know, I want to get this, you know, he's like, it's an investment for our future. He's like, you know, what better way to be able to retire really? And he agreed. He was like, we can sign a loan agreement. If I don't pay you back in five days, you can charge me a hundred thousand late fee. I'm not worried about it because I'm going to pay you back. So that put me a little more at ease. And I was like, okay, you know, so I talked to a friend who was an attorney and he was like, you know, you need to do a California standard promissory note, this and that, make sure legal fees are in there, make sure you charge interest to make sure you put a late fee. So I was like, okay, he told me a hundred thousand late fee is way too high. You can't do that. That's not legal. So I just had like $2,000 late fee, you know, got it all filled out. And he was going to be flying back to Arizona Wednesday morning. And so he was like, we got to do this Tuesday and I have to fly up to San Francisco for a meeting Monday evening because he had a meeting Tuesday or something. I'm trying to remember. Basically, like the next day he was coming back down um, and I left from work on my lunch break, just go to the bank and have him sign the promissory note. You know, I typed it up, made sure everything was there that needed to be there. A couple of days later, I was like, are you getting the house? And he was like, yeah, going through the paperwork with him right now. I said, I want to see it. You know, he, you know, right away, he sent me a bunch of pictures of it. And so being who I am, still paranoid, of course, because that's a lot of money. I reverse searched the pictures. The pictures showed up and I, you know, it was a house in Chandler, like he said, in Chandler, Arizona. It was a house and it was on the market for quite a while at that point. I can't remember how long. So I was like, okay, so yeah, the guy really couldn't sell it, you know, like he was having issues and Chris could pay it out cash and the guy was leaving town. So, you know, okay. I see it for sale though. So I'm kind of concerned. So every day I, you know, get on realtor.com and I'm checking to see if the house is still for sale. By the end of that week, it was no longer posted. It kind of put me at ease because I'm like, okay, that makes sense because anytime I've bought a house or anything like that and I look on realtor, it's like within a two to three days, it's usually pulled down. Robin and Chris kept on talking on the phone, just like before the transaction. The next weekend, Robin was sick and told Chris she needed to rest. Then the next part of the scam started to take place. That morning, he went outside his car, and I get a picture of his car window smashed. I was like, what the hell happened? He's like, I think my wallet dropped out of my gym bag in my car. He's like, and my wallet got stolen. And knowing how much money he carries on him, I'm like, how much money did you have in it? He was like, only a couple hundred, thankfully. He's like, I'm at the police station right now. And then he had to put all his accounts on high alert. So he wasn't going to come down that day. He said if he could get the window installed, he would be down that evening. So the window didn't end up getting installed that day, and it was the next day. And so those were the two days he was supposed to be there. After that, he had to be back at work, right? And so did I. And he came down, I think, maybe the next weekend. And he had no way to access his accounts because he had no license yet. And he had them all on high alert. So um, we just went for dinner and drinks and went to the casino. Everything on me, of course. You know, he knew everything about banks and he wanted some money to gamble with. And of course, you know, I'll pay you back as soon as I can access mine. You know, he's there. It's not like he's going anywhere. I mean, this is my boyfriend in my eyes, right? So he has me pull 2000 at the casino for him to play with. And I do. And he loses it all because he's a terrible blackjack player. After he loses that, he was adamant that I take more money off my card. He wanted me to call and get the point of sale limit increased on my debit card. And I'm like, how do you know all this? Like, I don't know that you can do these things, but you can. And it worked. So I got, you know, the debit withdrawal increased. I got the point of sale limit on my debit card increased. 
and he just kept losing money and I was insisting we leave. He's like, I'm paying you back. Like, relax. He's like, I want to play, you know, even though he doesn't have access to his own money. And I'm like uncomfortable because I'm seeing the side to him I've never seen before, which is kind of angry, kind of manipulative and intimidating and kind of demanding. I guess I was like, oh, what's the deal? Does he have some gambling problem? I just kind of walked away from him eventually. And then he was like texting me like, come back here in the casino. I was like, no, you're being an asshole. We were up to probably, I think, six or 7,000 by the time we left off my cards. You know, he wanted me to do a cash advance after I couldn't get any more off my debit. By this point, Robin's anxiety had peaked. She didn't gamble much and just had a few drinks to try and relax. She decided she'd had enough. Oh, I think I went to the bathroom and actually transferred what was in one account into the other so that they couldn't get it when they tried to run the card. And so then he was like, well, you got that card. He sees my wallet, putting his hands in my purse and grabbing my wallet and pulling the money out. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you're crazy. I think that was when kind of when I walked away. He finds me again. He's like, come on, babe, let's just get like 1500 more. And I was like, no, I don't want to. You know, he's like, come on. And he like basically dragged me up to the line. And I mean, I, I'm sure I had this look on my face like I was very uncomfortable and not happy. So when it got to our turn at the cashier's booth, he's trying to tell me, just take this off, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't want to, you know, and I was like, let's just go. He's acting like a drug addict needing his fix at this point. He's, you know, trying to act all calm and sweet to me. You know, just do like 1500 more up and paying it all back. Like, what is the problem? You see how much money I have. Like, you've seen my money. You know, you see what I carry around normally. Like, I just can't access it. He's so persistent. He will not take no as an answer. If he wants something, he will do what it takes to get his way. And it gets to the point where you're so stressed and irritated by having to deal with it that you just finally get pushed into giving in. So he had kind of like had his hand on my back and kind of nudged me up to the counter and he's telling them what to do. And I'm just kind of like staring at this cashier like, I don't want to do this. So he's like, yeah, just run it for like 2,500. I'm like, it's too high. You can only do 1,500 more on that. He's like, well, just try it. And he's like telling them they're like, you know, is that okay? And I'm just kind of looking at him and like rolling my eyes and they do, you know, and luckily it declined that much. So he had him run it for 1500 more, which it did. So basically after, you know, we hit all my cash advance and point of sale and withdrawal limits on my cards, you know, cause I hit every one, but the one that he found after that, I, I went to the bathroom again and decided I would hide my other cards. So he didn't realize that there were other cash advances I could do. So after that, he, like, I was upset and we were arguing. I just wanted to leave. It was aside to this guy who seemed damn near perfect that I didn't want to ever find out about. And all we could really do is leave. You know, he's driving about 110, 120 miles back the whole way. And he was kind of arguing with me the whole way back to my place. The next morning, it was, you know, everything was fine and dandy again. Like, he was being sweet. And I was just like, okay, I'm thinking to myself, maybe it was because he was having some drinks. Maybe he's got a serious gambling issue, like something we needed to address down the road a little bit here. But he was being totally fine. And, you know, he was just like, babe, you just need to, you need to stop freaking out about money. He's like, I have plenty. And I'm going to take care of you. You'll always be fine. You know, like I told you, I'll pay you everything back as soon as I can access my account. It's, you know, I'm not going to screw you over. If I was just trying to take your money, I wouldn't be here with you. You know, we wouldn't be planning on moving to Arizona next year. He's like, as soon as I have access to my account, I'm going to put you as an authorized user and get credit cards. He's like, and then you can use my money and you don't have to worry about this anymore and freak out anymore. Later on, he had me pull 16000 more from my account for him. And I did. And he was in the bank with me and like we were getting along and things were fine. And I wasn't concerned because he had been there all these days. You know, the scammers you think is people who get your money and leave. And then 
the next day I started flipping out again. I was like, just bring that money back. I don't want to do this. I want that money back because my account's empty and I'm freaking the hell out. You know, I have $90 in my savings account. You know, he's texting me like, I thought we weren't going to have arguments about this. He's like, you didn't even go one day and you're freaking out again. I was like, I don't want you to try to control the money I earn. This is my money. So I just want you to return it. So he's like, okay, I'll do that. I'll bring that 16,000 back. When I get my ID, um, every time I ask him, he's like, it's, I'm busy with work. It's spring training. You know, it's my busy season. He's like, Robin, you know, you have to stop. I'm not going anywhere. And so of course, as time goes on, it's like, well, yeah, he's, he still talks to me every day. It's not like he's trying to take my money. Right. You know, at this point he had owed me 61,000. And so I asked him to wire transfer it to my account. And he said he tried to do it online. They said he had to see a banker online. Um, so he was too busy to leave work the next day. And then I think the day after that, I got a call from him and he was really pissed. And I was like, well, what's going on? He was like, Chase just called me and told me somebody's fraudulently trying to access my account in San Antonio. I'm like, God damn it. I want this money back. You know, this is starting to take long and now I'm getting stressed, really stressed out. Robin still hoped the money would come through. Chris said the money didn't transfer because of the fraudulent activity on his account. So he drove down about one or two in the morning. He drove down to my house that night. He showed me the automated text. And in the morning, he called Chase to find out more information about what was going on. You know, he was on the phone laying next to me in bed and, you know, talking to somebody nice and calmly, you know, and professional like he does. So the bank manager on the phone said that they were going to have to investigate his account for the next 24 hours and then close it and start him a totally new account. And he asked the banker... um, if he could do a $61,000 transfer to my account, you know, so they said they did. And he gave him my account information, all this. And I was right there with him the whole time. And after the phone call, I said, I want to see the confirmation email. He checked his email and, you know, still right in the same room as me. And as he checked, an authorization text came through and he showed me it. So now I'm like, okay, good. Within a day or two, that 61000 is going to be back in my account. We're good. And how do you fake an authorization text? Yeah. So did you ever figure that out? I did not. Hopefully it's being investigated further. So then he's still stressed out because he can't access his money and, you know, his rental properties. He has to pay the mortgages on all these. And so he owes a little over 6500 and he's really behind at this point. And he's like, can you take more cash advances off your cards? And I was like, no. So I was like, Dave, why don't we just go get like a small loan? I'm sure they could just authorize like a $7,000 loan. I have the credit. I have a bank account right at Wells Fargo. So we go and, you know, I apply for a loan and, you know, they pay me 7000 in cash right there. So, you know, I'm not even worried because I'm like, I know that 61000 is coming through. That was the last time I saw Chris in person. And Chris, you know, he knows all the times that wires post and things like that. Like, So he's been messing with banks and doing stuff like this for who knows how many years because he knows all the details of every little banking thing you can do. It's crazy. You know, and his whole thing when I asked, like, how do you know all this? Because I deal with multi-million dollar contracts with athletes. So I deal with banks and I deal with huge sums of money like this all the time. Robin says he always had an answer, including why she never could find any pictures of him playing baseball online. You know, his Facebook is filled with him in Dodgers uniforms playing games and he's got a bunch of family and stuff like that. So that was pretty convincing. But if you look him up, you don't find his name. And I question that. Like, why don't I see that you ever played when I tried to look it up? You know, originally he said because I didn't have any of my contract info released. He said because I was scared it would put my mom and sisters in danger. Robin thought she'd done her research, looked him up online, combed through his Facebook photos, even paid for an online background check. I did two background check things on them. Those ones you can pay for online. Don't ever waste your money because they don't tell you anything. But I did two of those before I loaned him anything and nothing showed up except two speeding tickets. The scam still wasn't over. 
he sends me text messages asking me to send him more money for brokerage fees. And I was like, what? That doesn't even make sense. And I was like, no, you know, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm not sending you any more money, blah, blah, blah. And it started this big argument and he starts getting like hostile and like demanding. And, you know, he's demanding I take cash advances and he's like yelling at me. And he's like, if you can't do this for me, then we're done because you're not supportive of me when I really need you to be, you know? And I was like, you know, if that's how you feel, so be it. You know, and he's like getting, he's getting irate on the phone that I won't give into his demands. And he's like verbally abusive and being a complete asshole at this point. All I could think of is this is the same Chris I saw at the casino. So for Tuesday, April 9th, if the wire wasn't through at two o'clock, I had an appointment with an attorney at 2.30. So I went to see the attorney at 2.30 <laughs> and I told him everything. You know, I want to sue for breach of contract. And he started pulling any information he could find on Chris Lloyd's name. And he said, you know, he doesn't have any assets. And I was like, what? I was like, I've seen the houses on his computer, you know, I've seen his properties, you know, and his like rental agreements and stuff like that. I was like, I've seen it. He has folders on his computer, you know, I was like, yeah, he does. He's like, unless he's part of a buying group, he says, I don't see any real estate in his name. And this guy is a big baseball fan, you know, and he's like, he never played baseball for the Dodgers or the Reds that I'm finding either. So I'm sitting in there and I'm text messaging Chris and he doesn't know I'm an attorney, but I'm texting him. I was like, you liar. You never played pro baseball. You're so full of shit. So the attorney, all he could find when he ran Chris's info on some special software he has is that he had two speeding tickets. There's no criminal history, nothing, you know, and one small claims judgment for $565 to a girl. And I leaned in and I said, what's that girl's name? And I immediately like wrote it down. So then the attorney's like, you know, it sounds like this guy's a con. I was like, no way. How is this even possible? Like, I'm like in shock. You know, everything he told me was a lie. So I called this girl whose name was Megan, who sued him for $565. And I said, I saw you sued Chris Lloyd. And I'm thinking I might have to do the same thing. Would you be willing to let me know why? Or would you be willing to talk to me? And she said, absolutely. And she gave me her phone number. She said, call me when you have a free chance tonight. So I called her and lo and behold, She's telling me a story very similar to mine. She also told me, you know, you're not the first woman who's reached out to me. And I was like, what? She's like, I've heard from two or three others, too. So we found about, I think there's six other ones that we have found so far with no help to, you know, the police or anything like that, because they just like act like you're a stupid woman. This isn't all of it. On top of this, I found out he's actually a felon and that I know for sure he has two counts of felony grand larceny on his record and he's on probation and so I contacted his probation officer as well and let him know and of course nothing's been done still mm -hmm. so you know the psychological trauma was probably hard on most people I would think financially whatever I've always been a hard worker I can get my money back but it's the whole principle I guess behind it and it makes me really upset that there's not better laws and they don't do anything about people like this you know it's very hard to get anyone to take this serious Police blow it off. You know, everybody acts like, oh, what a dumb girl. You shouldn't give somebody money. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to stop until something's done about this. You know, my hope is that more women who he has con come forward because they can disregard five or so of us. But if you have 20 and, you know, I know he's been doing this for years. Again, I wanted to reach out to Chris for his side of the story. Robin says an area reporter reached out to him and he's kind of gone off the grid since then. He changed his number and locked down his Facebook, so I can't message him. Robin says Chris told the reporter that she's just crazy and then hung up. If you have any information regarding this case, maybe you're a victim or maybe it's Chris listening and he'd like to respond, you can email me at scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. We touched briefly in this episode about the background checks online. You may remember Kelly Cahill from Season 2, Episode 7. Kelly's story reminded me a lot of Robin's, but Kelly was taken for more than $1 million. 
Kelly is still working on her background check business called Yours. It's Y-O-O-R-Z. She stayed in touch with me and will update you once development is complete. Until next time, Scammer Warriors. 